Hello, friends. Welcome to the YO Unicorn Lens podcast, where we look at life with fresh eyes through the lens of infinite possibility. My name is Marcy. And I'm Joanne. Together, we will be dreamstorming and talking about co-creating with the universe in order to live the life of our dreams. So we have a special guest today. Yes, we do. Victoria is one of our friends from the support system with Sherry Salata. Yes. And she has, she was in the first cohort when we went through the course and she, I think of her as like the poster child of the course because she had such a great transformation. Yeah. Right. Her heart is so open and and she is fire AF. Absolutely. (laughs) That describes her to a T. Yes, she's nailed that. So excited. (laughs) So listen to our conversation we had with her. Hey, Victoria. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say my new Italian little phrase I learned. Um, It is uh, mi mi monkey. Me monkey means I miss you. Oh, I love that. I miss you. Me monkey. <laughs> Me monkey. Yeah. You started your course. Good for you, Joanne. No, no. I learned this from um, the intrep on, on Instagram, yeah, I think. The, oh, the, 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 the lady. <laughs> so I started following this intrepid Italian on Instagram, and she does... Um, Italian lessons so I think I think that's where I saw it I started following a couple so yeah yeah Victoria we're becoming Italian I love that so you so when are you there again March March 11th through May 10th so I am going to Tuscany with Sherry you signed up already huh yes so where what part of Italy are you ladies in Florence I work I can come early and see you ladies yes yes Yes, do yes Yes. Yes, do it that would be so fun yes yes Yes. that's awesome imagine if we meet in Italy before we meet in the U.S. I know, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, that's hilarious. I like that version. Yeah, Where did you do. first meet? <laughs> in Italy, Italy, in Florence. So what, what made you decide you wanted to do a podcast? Well, I, I wanted to do it for kind of a while, but it was taking the course that made me like realize like, okay, this is like real. This is like fire. I want to help women. You know, you both know my story of what I went through and I just have it in my heart to help empower other women. You know me as who I am now, cheerful and all that. There was like a good two or three years that, um, God, it makes me sad even thinking about it. I was never suicidal. However, my mom is so used to what I am now that she was so nervous that I was walking down that path because I was so dark Mm. and I couldn't like talk the way I could. I, I actually, I used to be an avid reader. And during that time in my life, 
I couldn't read anymore. Like I lost um, the ability to concentrate and I couldn't, and I was like so scared. Like, did I, did I mess up my brain function? Am I, I, and I'm an avid Harry Potter fan. And so I would try to bring out Harry Potter because that's easy reading. I would read the first page over and over and over again. And it wouldn't register in my mind. It was very scary. And I finally mentioned it to my doctor and he asked me, he didn't know about my personal life. And he asked me if I had gone through any, and I shared with him and he was like, that's why. And then I started talking about it with my therapist. And then apparently it happens to people when they go through an emotional trauma, there's certain aspects of their brain. And I mean, I, it was probably, gosh, it was maybe two or three years and I don't have ADHD, but it was two or three years that I couldn't read. I couldn't concentrate to read. And now the interesting thing is, and kind of sad, is that I can read fine again and I can read autobiographies and history books and I can read uh, self-help books and personal development and professional. I still can't really read fiction. My brain can't like, huh. it doesn't hold my attention anymore. What started then the, the turn for you or the, yeah, like in the two years, you know, that were really tough and so I'm not sure. I mean, I think I've shared with you all and I'm not sure if you have, or you haven't However, I, in the summer of 2017, I was cat sitting one of my best friends, kitty cats while she was on a trip and it was like Christmas in July on TV and national lampoons Christmas vacation came on, which is so funny. And I was sobbing. Oh, I was like, lost it sobbing. And cause my divorce was not final yet, but I'd been going through it for two years. And I made the decision then I cannot do Christmas again this year. Like I can't do Christmas with my friends or family. And I have had big Christmases in my family and two years I spent amazing Christmases with friends here. And I was just like, I cannot do this. So I immediately went on my phone and I'd always, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd wanted to go to Paris, but my ex never wanted to go with me. And for whatever reason, I was hung up that I needed to go with my partner or lover. Like I couldn't go with friends or couldn't go alone, and, which I'd never traveled alone before anyway, like that. So I went on my phone and looked what's open on Christmas day in Paris. And I found out the Eiffel Tower is open on Christmas day. And I was like, well, that's all I need. So I literally booked tickets then. And I went to Paris for nine nights nine nights and 10 days over Christmas and New Year's 2017 to 18. And I can tell, and so I was there for nine nights, 10 days, but I was in England before that for a couple of days and it didn't start out well. Like I wasn't looking forward, even though Paris had been my lifelong dream. I was procrastinating, making reserve. Like I did not make, even though I bought the plane ticket, I did not make hotel reservations until maybe the end of November. I was going in December. <laughs> And I had decided to fly in and out of London to see, um, to see a friend of mine that I had known from Florida. She lived over there and we were going to go see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on, we were going to go see Harry Potter studios, I guess on January 3rd or something. So I had decided to fly in and out. Well, I waited. So then in December, I hadn't even booked my Euro to Paris. And it was like, I waited so long. It was like 400 and some dollars. It was more than my flight over there to get me back and forth from London to Paris. That's uh -huh. how like out of it I was. So I go to London first and I'm with a friend that I knew in Florida. And of course, everything's in English and it's beautiful and fun. 
So then I get to Paris and it wasn't about me being arrogant. It was about me being ignorant because I had been to Copenhagen earlier that year and everything's in English there. So I get to Paris, nothing's in English. <clears throat> My taxi driver can't speak English. <clears throat> she gets me to the hotel. It was a boutique hotel and they were supposed to speak English. The two people that could speak English were on holiday. The TV didn't have English subtitles. I couldn't even figure out how to get in the door. It was like an old fashioned door that you had to turn all this many times. So I had to have the guy come up and show me several times. So that was on uh, the 23rd. So I start walking around, I'm staying near the opera area and it's so completely crowded and there's police everywhere, but it's not like America. I mean, these police have, they're like military. They have yeah. Uzis or AK-47s or whatever you call them. So they have those. And every time you go into a department store, they're like patting you down. Nobody, you know, speaks English. And I just remember feeling the most alone I'd ever felt in my life mm-hmm. because I couldn't even understand what was happening around me. So I was looking for a Christmas market. I couldn't find one that night on the way back. I stopped at a church and prayed, went to my hotel and just like sobbed, texted one of Elisa. I texted Elisa and I was like, oh, I'm not liking Paris. She's, and so when she woke up the next day, she was like, what? I was like, yeah, I don't like this. So we chatted for a little bit. I went back to bed and um, just crying on Christmas Eve, like rock bottom, worst feeling I've ever had in my life. Why did I leave my family? I can't even speak. Like, I didn't even have to say water in French. Like I did not prepare. And I remember at one point thinking, well, maybe I can just sleep. Cause I already was struggling with severe depression because of what I went through. And I was like, oh, I can just sleep this trip away. And then I was like, oh, I can't do that. It'll be worse. So I made myself shower. I headed towards Notre Dame. It was, a, it was better around that area. It wasn't as crowded. And I, this restaurant was about to close and they let me come in and eat in there. I was the only one in there besides the two of them. And it was small. I could see what they were doing. They spoke English. So I was able to speak English with them, which lifted my spirits a little. Then I went into Notre Dame at like 6.30 and was there till like 1.15 in the morning. And so the candles and the incense are all smelling good. And everything is in French. There's no, you know, thing in English. There's no follow along in English. All the carols are in French, but you know what they are because you know what it sounds like. So I went to the eight o'clock service was, which was the international service, but they only say hello in English. So then I, after that service is up, I move, I'm like 15 rows from the front of the altar on the outside. There's a couple next to me from Texas. So we're speaking in English. The priest comes through. He actually speaks English. He had been in Boston for a year. So we chatted, he gave me a hug. And then like all this Christmas music was playing and uplifting my spirits it's just beautiful and the place is packed by 10 all the christmas carols are in french and then at like right before midnight they play angels we have heard on high that's my favorite christmas carol and they had played it twice before but it was in french and they played it right before they were about to start the profession in it procession in, and it was in english it was in english and i it's on my instagram and i felt like God rush over me. Mm. I've never felt like that before in my life. And I felt like God, I felt like it was a sign from God that it's done. Like you need to move on. And, um, 
it was so beautiful. And before that, I mean, I grew up Catholic. I was a believer. I'd been Methodist for a long time too, but I would go back and forth. I would have doubts sometimes, but ever since that night, unequivocal to me that God exists, unequivocal changed my life. I've never been depressed since I've had my ups and downs, but I've never been depressed since. And it was the worst morning in my life when I woke up and I went to bed the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I've never been that happy since. And I'm a happy person that night changed my life. Wow. (laughs) The universal language, love, love. Yes. The universal language, love. Wow. You get that everywhere. You can feel that. Yeah. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's so special because you didn't even, you weren't even, it was totally a gift, an intervention, uh, like, Absolutely. you know, oh, that's beautiful. It is it. And then the next day I woke up, I was still a little, uh, so I went back there to church to walk around. Then I went to the Eiffel Tower that night and then Christmas fell on a Monday that year. And then Tuesday morning I woke up and I thought, okay, what can I do? to alter this. So I taught myself like 20 little French phrases, including, oh, your purse is beautiful. or Your shoes are beautiful. So I taught myself those phrases. And then I started talking to people in restaurants. And then the next thing you know, I'm making friends right and left. Of course. That's the only phrase you really need, huh? We right. need to learn that. We need <laughs> Italian. Yeah, I taught myself, your purse is beautiful. Your shoes are beautiful. I'm American. I apologize. I don't speak French, you know, like that. And I made friends. There was a, there were two girls from Qatar who sat next to me and they, one, they were sisters and one was working in Germany and the other was just visiting her. And the one that was just visiting, it was her second time in her life, not wearing a hijab. The first was the day before. We wound up spending like nine hours together and I'm still friends with both of them on Instagram. That's fantastic. They asked me wild questions. Like <laughs> after about three, four hours in, I moved, I sat with them. We wound up walking around Paris together. And I mean, they asked me wild questions, like questions like they couldn't believe because it's so different in their country. So like they asked me, is it true that you can have sex as a teenager and men still respect you. Like that question Ooh, came out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They were like, is it true? You could, they were like, we have some questions. We want to ask you the real questions. So it was like the yeah. questions they asked me, I was not prepared for from strangers. <laughs> I was open to it. It was a great conversation. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, the image that, uh, and what they learned probably is, is from TV and, Well, because they're not, I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, it's different. Like they can't, if they have sex before marriage, they're tainted for the rest of their life. Like they cannot. So they were just explaining different things to me. And they just think America is like the end all be all to greatness for women and men. And I was like, well, we're not, we have a, we're great in a lot of ways, but we have our, but like hearing their stories was shocking. So we had like a very spicy conversation. There were things they didn't even know existed. Like these (laughs) women didn't even know certain things happen in the world of intimacy. (laughs) I I probably don't know either. (laughs) No, I'm sure. (laughs) They were in their 20s. One was in their 20s and one was like 31. And it was like, 
it was so, like I'm very open about that topic so I was like this is the best thing ever. <laughs> they, got the, they got the right they got the right person right <laughs> this is amazing this is a course that Victoria can <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh my goodness. So your your podcast, what is that gonna be about? Because I'm thinking, okay, it's gonna be spicy. <laughs> well it's, it's gonna be it's, called what Victoria AF? Fire AF. Fire AF. Yes, fire AF. So it is basically I just want to have different guests on there and talk about amazing women. So whether it's you know, a teenager, a 95 year old, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 year old. It really is just because I found my fire. Like I said, I walked the darkness and now I realize how amazing I am. And I want to help change the scenario with women. I want other women to be able to say they're amazing. I want women to look in the mirror. And when the three of us are together, instead of us looking in the mirror and complaining, like we would as teenagers about, oh, I don't like my butt or I don't like my eyes or I don't like this. I want us to be feel comfortable in front of friends and other females and be like, gosh, I just love my shoulders. I love the way my lips look. I love my eyes. Like I want to help change the narrative so that women feel empowered to love, to say what they love about themselves, because the way we've had it put on us for years is unacceptable. Mm. And I want to honor women every week. And I have, I will eventually work towards a segment where I would, I would love if people will send in like a fire AF story, whether it's like a five-year-old selling lemonade or a 90-year-old running a marathon or a 30-year-old doing whatever, like whatever it is, I want them to be sent in and nominated. And I mentioned that person every week on the podcast. And I eventually want it to be so that there's like an annual conference every year of fire oh. AF women. And then there would be like one woman that would get the award of oh, like fire yeah. AF award of the year. Wow. Oh, yeah. 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 That's great. Oof. So yes. there will be like, sometimes I'm sure there'll be like, I'm sure there'll be some topics about sexcapades because that's fun for me to talk about. Right. Like, I love that. I also politics is my passion. Like I used to work on political campaigns and my degrees in political science from Florida state. I interned for a U.S. Senator. So policy is huge to me. So I'm sure there will be time because that's my fire. So I'm sure there will be discussions occasionally where policy or laws that are out there that are either benefiting women or not, and they will be dissected. So it's going to be all kinds of a range of like different, it'll be like sometimes light and fun. And sometimes there'll be heavy discussions. Like for instance, one heavy discussion I want to have, and I don't think we tackle it in the United States is and every time I say this, people are like, oh, it makes them nervous because I'm just going to say the word and it's going to it's going to make you nervous. It's abortion. So I want to have a discussion. I'm pro-choice. I want to have a discussion with someone that's pro-life. But I don't want to have we get caught up in the discussion of when does a child exist or when is that shouldn't be the discussion. The discussion should be what are we doing to help women make the choice to have children? So why are we get divided because we want to argue over when the child can live or when the child, when the fetus is a baby, we get so caught up in that because the politicians and the media divide us. So as women, we need to come together and get rid of the noise and we need to work together to give women the opportunity 
We need to take the stigma away from teenage mothers. We need to take away the stigma from single mothers. We need to help women make these choices so that they have resources so that an abortion is not their only option so that they can have the option to have the children so that they can, they have the resources emotionally and financially if they wanna go full term and then give the baby up for adoption. So that's like a big discussion I want to have on my podcast because we get so wrapped up by the media and by politicians on both sides. When if you take that noise away and we come together as women, we can solve a lot of problems together without that outside noise. Yeah. Victoria, that I think you just nailed it right there because what is the problem? Like, right. like let's, let's get to the problem. What's the right. problem here instead of the fighting. And right. I, I think that's a great idea. So that's heavy on my heart lately since moving to Boston. And so that will be, I, I, I feel like I'm going to have like some fireside chats with some friends. I'm going to have some fire topics that abortion would be a fire topic because people would automatically think like, I don't want to debate the science of it at all. I want to talk about solutions. And I think there's a lot of policy out there mm. that we can come together as women and make a difference in this country and in this world. And that's what being Fire AF is about. It's finding your passion, what makes you feel whole as a woman, and where can you put your love and energy to make a difference. That's fantastic. It's a great message that needs to be you know, here's another thing about women. I noticed because I was on a, I just came back from a cruise. So people are like, they're all dressed up and pretty on a couple nights, right? You dress up and I would like it. These, these people are like all sparkly and everything. And you tell somebody that they're beautiful. And instead of accepting, like with a, yes, thank you. It's like, Oh, but look at this. Like <laughs> totally turn it around instead of just saying, oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I've done the same thing. So I know right. it's like, we're so uncomfortable with mm. Why? Why do we feel right. uncomfortable? We're uncomfortable receiving. Yeah. So uncomfortable receiving. I went, I, I, I might get emotional about this. So I apologize. However, I do a lot of things on my own, which that happened really even before I moved here because I was in a relationship where my partner didn't want to do things with me. So my friends used to joke, oh, you're the most single married person I know, which was funny at the time, but looking back, it really wasn't funny. So I did a lot of things on my own. However, moving to Boston, I've learned to do a lot more things on my own because not all my friends have, especially when it comes to country music, my friends don't necessarily have my same interests here. So I've learned to do different things on my own, but I never thought of it until a date until this week. I decided I'm going to make it a date. I'm going to treat myself the way I treat myself when I'm going out with a guy. And so you probably saw my checklist. I had a mani-pedi. I wore makeup for the first time in probably a year, a year. I bought a sexy new bra and panties for myself. I wore my favorite suede rhinestone boots. And I just really was like loving on myself, like shower, everything. Like I would, if I was going on a date with a guy Mm. and 
that vibe was so high because I did that for myself. I mean, the Uber driver was like hitting on me on the way over. He was in his twenties telling me, I think you're going to find your lover tonight, Victoria. And I was like, well, I am my lover. That's what I said. I did. I'm my own lover tonight. And then I sat down at the bar. There was this nice couple next to me. We chatted, they left. Then another couple, a young couple, she is a 23-year-old nurse. He's a 26-year-old officer. And we just clicked for like over two hours, chatting, talking. They want to buy my dinner. So nice. I mean, and then when she went to the bathroom, he they've been dating six months. And he told me, gosh, I just love her. She's my person. I never thought I'd find my person. So instead of me being like sad about this, I was just so filled with love watching him love her. It was so beautiful. And so dinner was amazing. Like I said, they bought me my dinner. We walked over Mm -hmm. to the garden together. Dan and Shay sing a lot of love songs. And I wasn't sure how I was going to handle that because when I had bought the tickets like two years ago, I was in a different headspace mentally. I'm still in a great headspace, but I recently went through a little bit of a heartache with someone that I really care about a lot and we're on a break from talking. And so I didn't know how I would handle that. Oh my God. It was great. I felt like they were singing to me. I felt like they were loving me Uh... and singing to me all these beautiful songs. And I was so in the present moment in a way that I don't think I've ever been in my life that at one point I started crying because I finally love myself the way I have so freely loved others my whole life. Oh, that's huge. Huge. Yes. Victoria, this is, this is what I love about that is when you can fill yourself up. I mean, we have to fill this up. Yes. This is where it comes from, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just need somebody and take love from them and put it in us. Right. It's in us. And so you were so full. It was like coming through your pores and everybody was tapping in. Right. You were like. (laughs) A love magnet. You were a love magnet. Mm -hmm. A love magnet. That's how it works. So that's how it works. It's a vibration, you know? Yes. Totally vibration. I've got got chills. That's a good story. I love it. It feel and like last night I went and took myself out looking at, um, at Christmas lights. I used to do that with my dad and my mom all the time and listen to Christmas music. And I, I, I was supposed to go with that person. And like I said, we're on a break and I had such a great time by myself last night. And I realized this is the first, this is like a major breakthrough for me. This is the first time since I moved to Boston in 2000 and, um, 16, but I was here in 15 for Christmas after everything happened, my ex, that I feel whole without a man at Christmas. Mm. It's a major win. Mm. So looking back, this is probably one of the most joyous I've been mm. during the holidays in years, including that time. And it, I'm just, it's a huge victory that I'm happy with Christmas, not thinking about what I don't have or who I don't have. Instead, I'm focusing on what I do have. And like, for instance, like this is, this is like, we went through a lot together this year. And to think that this time last year, we didn't know each other. No, not at all. Not at all. And I've shared over and over that last New Year's Eve, I stayed at Elise's house and we we, that day I've had a rough time. Of course, it seemed like that was what I was used to, even though I was very joyful. And I was like, I want to get tipsy today. 
Well, that God had a different plan because there was no getting tipsy. After like four drinks, I was a sober. I was like, and we were, I was with a bunch of girlfriends and I was like, well, I'm, this is probably at four. And I knew we were going to be out to like nine. I was like, I'm not drinking anymore. Nothing's happening. And I'm not going to just put alcohol in my body. So if you want to drink, you can drink. So I completely stopped drinking. Well, at nine, we leave, we go back to her house or maybe eight, eight 30. And she had a lot to drink. So she wasn't going to make it till midnight. So I made her write out her intentions, which I don't know what they are, but I, she was like, I don't want it. And I made her write them out because I was going to stay up till midnight. So I did, I never read hers, but I stayed, she went to bed. I stayed up to midnight and I burned hers. And then one of my intentions was to find community in Boston and to find girlfriends and friends in Boston. Mm. And, but God is so good. And the universe, and, and, and I'm like very liberal when it comes to God. So when I say God, I mean energy, higher power, whatever speaks to anybody else is I'm fine with that. God is so good that I brought, like, I have a guy in my life, the one that I'm on a little break for that he's from Boston. I didn't ask for a guy, I asked for girlfriends and he and I became incredibly close. And then all of you, like God knew all of you, like you are an answer to my burn ceremony. Yeah. You are an answer to my burn ceremony. Mm. I love that. Wow. God gives us things better that we can better. imagine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Better. Like this beautiful circle of friendships we have is better than I was even dreaming of when I did that burn ceremony on New Year's Eve. So I think that's like such a lesson to learn because everything always works out for us. Always. And if we just sit back and let things happen, I mean, of course we have to do our part, but like no judgment or expectation of how it should happen. It's going to happen exactly how it's supposed to. Right. The universe is always for us, <laughs> always conspiring for us. Mm-hmm. And when things don't work out, it's because the universe heard conversations we were not privy to and extracted us from that situation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in that. And I'm learning more to let go of attachment <clears throat> and just understand that things are for the greater good because we cannot control and we try to control. And when we try to control, that's when we spin out of control. And that's when we get stressed and upset and you just have to remember that if 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 our higher powers for us nothing's against us yeah Mm. well and that doesn't stop us from asking for what we want held in the mouth we can still ask for what we want right we're supposed to (laughs) right i mean we don't just sit back and let right things happen yeah it's intention. You know, I think when you yeah. said that intention, that's, that's the agreement you're making with God, you know, okay, right. this is my desire. And then from there, you know, let God, you know, but that initial intention. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I could, sorry, I could ahead. never, have ima- no, I'm sorry. I could never have imagined. I didn't even know who Sherry was. So like, <laughs> I could not have imagined then not only would I know her, but that I would make these like, like, I love both of you. Like, I don't just say that. Like, I genuinely love you. If one of you texted me and said, 
I need to talk tonight. I'm upset. I need a zoom. I'm there. Same. Same. (laughs) Right. Right. Like genuinely love you. Like I genuinely consider you close friends. Like I, like it is like, I know you have my back and I have your back and we're there for each other. We may not talk daily. Like we do with our other friends in our lives or whatever, but there is a bond that was created this year. I feel like that's with everybody in the group. Yes. 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 It's such a, it's such a large group. (laughs) It blows my mind that that could happen. (laughs) And I'm so appreciative. I, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm an extreme extrovert and I still didn't think this could happen. Like I still wouldn't have imagined that I would have these beautiful friends all over the country or the world, or I just wouldn't have imagined that. Or, I mean, Elizabeth lives 20, she's not in the support system anymore, but she took the course with us and I see her once a month. And then on the day of my dad's past, the anniversary of my dad's passing, Janet just showed up at church with flowers for me. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I mean, really, like I said, you all are answer to a burn ceremony, but on a much higher level than what I asked for. Well, look, see, now that you've tapped into that magic, Victoria, and you know, like, that's how it happens. What is it that you want now? What's next? What is it that you want? Let's play with it. <laughs> what do you want? Okay. So what I, re- what, I, so clearly I want to, there's a few things I want. So one thing is I want to open up a lingerie line and a jewelry line. So that is, that's like next year steps after my podcast. I got the idea of lingerie when I was in Paris because women over there, no matter their age, buy lingerie at the store. It's very different than here. And so I want to create a lingerie line and I will eventually have a flagship store that I want in Newberry Street in Boston. That's my dream. Um, However, I want it to be for women. Like I want it to be to empower women so that you are wearing it for yourself. You are buying it for yourself. You're doing it. You're doing it to make yourself feel good. I want it to be the type of store that if you come across one of my stores, you're walking down the street with your girlfriend. You're like, oh my gosh, have you been in here before? It smells so good. They're so kind. Like I want it to be like sensual and kind and loving and warm and welcoming. I want it to be very different than other lingerie stores we may or may not have experienced in this country. And I want it to be for all sizes, all ethnicities, all ages. I don't want it to be a certain demographic. And there's going to be a community component to it to give back and help women. There's going to be that community component. So that is a big thing that I want to do that because I personally feel good when I'm wearing, like I said, the matching bra and panties. I think it just feels so good what you have underneath. And so, and I want to create that for all sizes, including moms, you know, so I don't want it to be just um, what has been out there. So there's that. And I love my jewelry. So there'll be jewelry. So that is a component next year. Now, my biggest things that I want to happen are I want to do a TED talk and I really putting out in the universe I will become a person that people want to come here talk and I will myself mm-hmm. have people come to an arena and hear me speak oh yeah I see it and so do I mm-hmm. Jeez, so Victoria, I want to go out and buy underwear now <laughs> well girl you're gonna yeah. buy mine because mine is gonna be like 
empowering and sexy and make you feel good for you. So I'm what I'm like hearing so much is women empowerment. I mean, that is so strong with you. Um, so I today we usually ask a couple like little questions at the end. And mm -hmm. today I pulled out the Mark Groves um, cards. And these are the, um, the lighthearted questions. So you tell me when to stop. And this is going to be the question I ask you. This is what I thought. So you tell me, you tell me when to stop. Okay. Marcy's cracking up. I don't know. That, that one that you this just one? did. Yep. Okay. What was your favorite childhood game to play? Favorite childhood game to play. Hmm. I liked playing kickball in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I grew up in a time, I'm sure where you ladies did where, you know, you didn't, there was no cell phones. You went home when it, the lights came on or you parents were whistling for you. So I liked playing kickball a lot um, as a kid. I also like playing roller coaster, which was weird. My friends and I would be on our bicycles and we would like go out into the woods or it was like up and down hills and we would pretend that we were like on a roller coaster and there'd be like <laughs> four of us together there would be like four of us together and like going up and down the hills that's cute um, yeah and then oh we you know cards I always like uno loved uno give me some uno and I'm happy with I still like uno as an adult I like board games even as an adult yeah Oh my gosh. I think I liked, um, I'm going to answer the question too. <laughs> right. I liked, um, we used to play freeze tag. I liked freeze tag. And then, you know, if you get tagged, you got to freeze unless somebody comes right. and goes under your legs, then you're free. Right. <laughs> what about you, Marcy? Well, I like to play Red Rover, Red Rover. Do you play Red Rover, Red Rover? Also, I was really good at tetherball. Oh, oh I yeah. I, I, I don't think my kids even know how to play tetherball, but I love it. Is that the oh. ball? The, on the like pole? On the pole. And you're like whipping it around. And like, I'm short. So playing with tall people, I had to figure out how to handle that, how to work that. But right, right. We used to come out and like line up in like lines. And so whoever won, like, they got to stay and play the next person in line. It was like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was serious stuff. That you is didn't, serious. You didn't? Did you have that at, at your school, Victoria? Like a tetherball? No, I, I did not have that. I not at my school. I went to a Catholic school. I used to like Seven Up. Did you ever play that Seven oh, Up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was for I rainy, remember. rainy days. <laughs> yeah, rainy days. Yeah, well, I liked that. But no, we didn't have a tetherball at my Catholic school. Hmm. Oh, I think we had tetherball and like a little handball area. No, we didn't. We just had like pavement. We didn't even have grass <laughs> to play on. We had like a parking lot. Four square, um, I guess. Yeah, four square. Uh, I don't know. What? I don't even remember what I did during recess. Probably just talked. I probably had like a circle of friends around <laughs> yeah. me. 
I was probably educating them on whatever topic. I do know that at a very young age, I was into politics. So I remember being like at a very young age teaching my, I'm talking like second or third grade, teaching my fellow students how, you know, how many Congress people we have, how many senators. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, at a very young age, I was all into that. Like, and I was vocal. My dad was in politics and my parents often said they never knew what was going to come out of my mouth because for a young girl, I knew more than most, than most children period, but I knew more than like some people. And so they said they never knew like at a table, they'd be at some dinner table and they always, I don't know why they always brought me versus getting a babysitter, but they always brought me and you never know when I would join the conversation and give my opinion about oh my God. anything. I mean, I was like 10 years old spouting my opinion about literally pro-choice, pro-life, the death penalty. I mean, I like had no, there was no filter and I was like spitting out my opinion. So my parents said they never knew what was coming out of my mouth and what I was going to say to somebody. Oh, that's amazing. That's great though. They, you never felt like shushed that never that's amazing like kudos to your parents you know letting you speak it is very kudos to my parents it's very interesting I have three older siblings and they're older by quite a bit my sister's like maybe eight years older nine years older I have a brother 16 years older and a brother 20 years older so they kind of grew up together they and they feel very differently than me they felt like they couldn't share their opinions as much where I was constantly my parents never I mean at our dinner table we were talking about politics sex and religion at our between me and my mom and dad like we were talking about those topics I was bringing them up all the time coming home talking about this talking about that challenging my teachers I was challenging my teachers regularly starting in like second grade where my mom would have to have parent teacher conferences with me I remember in fourth grade Mrs. Carter sent me to I was very much about justice about like you know what is right and what is wrong I was that student that if the three of us were in a classroom together and I am the one that was like mouthing off that one of you got in trouble for it, my hand would go up and I would take the blame. But I also would tell on other people because like if if Joanne is not gonna be willing to step up and take the blame for Marcy, oh, I'm definitely writing that situation. So I'm sure <laughs> there was like a love-hate relationship with me with my fellow students. So fourth grade, I was always kind of like teacher's pet and she sends me on an errand to the uh, guidance office or secretary or something. And I come back and I'd been gone maybe 10, 15 minutes. And the class, it was fall of fourth grade. The class had gotten in trouble with something. And so they were having to write an essay. So I wasn't in class, so I'm not writing the essay. I'm reading my book. Well, she's clearly angry at whatever took place when I was out of the room. So she starts asking me what I think I'm doing. And I say, well, I'm reading. I wasn't here for that. And she starts telling me I have to write anyway. And I was just basically like, why? And she goes, well, this is probably for the times I didn't catch you or whatever. I was so ticked off. I did not write on the topic that she said. I wrote like a protest essay and how I will never run an errand for her again. And she's not, and I never did. She would call on me after that. And I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Carter. I have too much to do. That was like my protest. And then in fifth grade was the first time I ever had a nun. I had gotten through all the other years without a nun. 
and Sister Gregoria, bless her heart, I wound up loving her, even though I hated her at first, but I wound up loving her and I kept in touch with her at the convent before she passed. But she, like second week of school, she assigned us punishment of Bible verses. And I'd never had that before. And I was like, not having that. So I wrote a long essay about why are you going to make, why are you going to use the Bible as punishment? We're never going to want to grow up as adults and read the Bible. It should never be a form of punishment. Well, she didn't discuss it with me, but she never, she told me years later that it made her think she never assigned that as punishment again. Oh, wow. Cause that was for my you. thought too. Good for like, you. Good for right. you. So I've also, I've always been like a sassy pants. I've always been, yeah, very much, yeah, sassy pants, always been like sticking up for myself and others and, um, being a vocal one and not, uh, in fact, I, I'm, you can imagine I'm very vocal at work. I'm not one to, I don't know. I don't think conflict is a bad word. I think the majority of people do. I don't, I, it'd be interesting to look it up in dictionary and see what it actually says, but the word conflict to me. Um, that's not a bad word because that's how we grow when we have discussions and when we stand our truth and we challenge others or somebody challenges us and we work through that that's how we become stronger as people and a bond if nine times out of ten the conflict ends positively I feel if it's done right so then the bond is stronger between the people too so I'm all about I my friends excuse me I've never met a conflict I didn't like yeah, I think we have to change our idea about conflict because it's really, I, it's an opportunity for communication, conscious communication. Yes. You know, it's an opportunity, but I have the same, like the idea is still like, no, <laughs> but now I think more and more it's like, no, it's actually an opportunity to communicate, you know, consciously. So, because I feel like if you're going to give me feedback, like I said, most, if someone's a jerk, they're just a jerk and that's different. But most times if someone's going to give me feedback, then that means they care about me enough to talk to me about what I either just said or did or how I acted or how I handled the situation. So I look at it, I look at feedback as love. Cause if I don't care about someone, I'm not going to correct that behavior or I'm not going to tell them they hurt my feelings or whatever. Yeah, well, whatever other people have to say is mostly about them anyway. For sure. Mm -hmm. So, like, you can feel confident in what your feelings, your thoughts are, and still receive what others have to share. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's, that conflict, I'm with you. I think that's a gift, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. I love you both. You're such a blessing in my life. I'm so thankful and appreciative that the universe God has brought us together and that we're doing life together because I know my life is immensely better having both of you in it Aww, ditto, uh, Victoria. same same thank you thank bye you.